Hey everyone, I'm Franco Terrazano, the Federal Director of the Canadian Taxpayers Federation here in Ottawa. I'm joined by my friend and colleague, Miss Chris Sims, holding the fort down in Alberta. You know, Simmer, I like to watch, uh, you know, Christmas shows this time of year. Man, yeah. do I ever love it. It's what I do Saturday, Sundays, and every night. Um, <laughs> but I haven't been watching any CBC <laughs> at all, but I do know that the taxpayer tab, me being one of them, is yeah. about a billion dollars every year. Now, Chris, I just wrote a, uh, read an excellent article from you that was published in the Sun newspaper chain across Canada, arguing to defund the CBC. Why are we why why are we arguing for this, Chris? I know it's a big fight, right? Uh, because the CBC is seemingly everywhere. Uh, but we're doing this because we have to, because we can't afford it anymore. Uh, like you said, the CBC costs us more than a billion dollars per year. Uh, currently, this current year, it's about $1.2 billion. It's been higher before that. And it's just such an amazing amount of money that we just simply can't afford it anymore. And we've also outgrown it. Uh, so for folks who have been in the media world their whole lives, uh, they know that the original mandate of the CBC back in the 1930s was basically to deliver the weather to farmers and air play-by-play of hockey radio broadcasts and some radio dramas in order to compete with the old radio powerhouses coming out of places like CBS New York. Well, times are changed. That's almost 100 years ago. People get their hockey from pretty much anywhere. Uh, farmers get get their weather from their really expensive apps that they pay for by satellite. Um, It's just, it's outgrown its mandate. It's not needed anymore for Canada and it just costs way too much money. And this is the kicker. And this might surprise some people. Nobody's watching it anymore. So we're not watching anymore and it's too much to pay for. All right. You, uh, you see uh, all of the people watching this on YouTube, see my big old circular glasses. (laughs) <laughs> and you know, I like the numbers. I like yeah. the numbers. We talk about a billion dollars every single year, but dive into those numbers and what these costs really mean for taxpayers. For sure. I find typically once you get over like, you know, $500,000, it's difficult for people to understand what kind of money we're talking about here, myself included. And so that's why I always pull up the calculator and figure this out. So we're talking mega bucks here for the CBC every year, $1.2 billion dollars currently being spent on the CBC for the year. Again, it's been higher, a little bit higher before that. But what does that look like? Well, that could pay for around 14,000 registered nurses, their entire salary for an entire year. So just imagine having all those extra nurses on shift instead of paying for the CBC. Or to give you a better idea, uh, the entire income tax bill for the population, not just the adults, the entire population of the city of Nanaimo. Okay, mm. so yeah, mm, love the love the bars, big right? fan. <laughs> I, I like the ferry. Here we are. So you know that's Nanaimo bars, like not the not the clubs and restaurants. The Nanaimo <laughs> yeah, bars, right. Chris. <laughs> you didn't like any of the drinking establishments in Nanaimo, Franco. Sure. So, it, like, and to put it to better perspective, people could say something like, "Oh, well, you know, they deliver great journalism." Okay, that's arguable. Okay, let's set that aside. They are so management heavy. The CBC has 143 directors and they each get paid around $130,000 per year, costing the taxpayers, you and me and your mom, $18 million per year. So again, I'm going to repeat that. 143 directors just at the CBC, they're each pulling in around $130,000 per year. 
and it costs us $18 million per year. This this is not normal for a media organization. And this really puts the cherry on top of the cake here for Christmas. Documents obtained by the Canadian Taxpayers Federation show that during the years 2020 and 2021, that we paid out more than $51 million in bonuses. That's and just raises. bonuses yeah. and, and pay raises. Bonuses and pay raises. It's a crazy amount of money, Franco. And so where does that money come from? Again, it comes from taxpayers. Lo and behold, the federal fiscal update delivered another $42 million to the CBC to help it recover from the pandemic. That was according to the National Post. And in budget 2021, the Trudeau government gave the CBC an extra $21 million to ensure its stability during the pandemic. So it's just a fire hose of money going out the door. The taxpayers have been paying for this party now that never seems to end with the CBC, and we just can't afford it anymore. Okay, folks, I just need to to reiterate something that Chris just said. $51 million in bonuses and pay raises during the pandemic. Yeah. Then the federal government gives it $42 million to help it cope with the pandemic. Do you see that? $51 million in bonuses and raises during the pandemic, and then $42 million extra to help with the pandemic from the taxpayer? That doesn't make sense. If a crown corporation has enough money lying around to hand out tens of millions of dollars in bonuses and raises during a pandemic, then they don't need any more money from taxpayers. Now, Chris, another thing that caught my ear there, how many directors does the CBC have? What? Can you dive into that? <laughs> yeah, I know. And that jumped out at me, too, when I was writing the piece. And again, for anyone who's worked in media, this just makes your eyes water in private media. 143 directors at the CBC. E- I know. Each pulling in $130,000 a piece on average. So it's just an eye-watering amount of money. Um, now, full disclosure, I did work at the CBC for a brief period of time. I think it was around five weeks or so. Um, <laughs> you know, it, they were very nice to me personally. It just wasn't exactly a fit. <laughs> the, the I'll put it this way. The newsroom there, um, they're all working and typing. It was silent. Like, it was like what I've been told an academic library is like. Um, most of the time in my experience in newsrooms, they're boisterous, busy, noisy places. Uh, so again, full disclosure, I did work there for a little while. Most of my time, though, was spent in private newsrooms. And one of the running jokes in those private newsrooms, while we were all, you know, hauling gear and tearing down and setting up and booking guests and stuff, was that for every one of us, for every one reporter or producer in private media, there was around four in in the CBC, and most of them would be managers. So it was this kind of understanding that there's four of them for every one of us, and most of them are middle management types. And what was kind of funny is that back a few years ago when the National replaced the singular Peter Mansbridge, uh, they replaced him with four people. <laughs> so... It it was pretty funny because it made it really real. But what isn't funny, Franco, is that we don't even know how much this cost. Mm. Like, we don't get to know how much a CBC national news anchor is paid, even though we pay the bills. Um, Some of the folks over at Canada Land, though, interestingly enough, it's this independent news website kind of leans to the left, but they don't take our money. So that's good. They dug up documents uh, that said Mansbridge back in his day was paid $800,000 a year, 
Whoa, wait, what? I know. Oh, no, I know. So again, Canada land. So they've been on this for a while. Kudos to them. They dug up documents a few years ago that showed Mansbridge. So again, 100% taxpayer funded was raking in about 800,000 a year to be the anchor there. So whether they took that money and sprinkled it and divvied it up around four people, we don't know because they won't actually tell us. We're not allowed to know how much they how much they make. Um, so f- suffice to say, this is a lot of taxpayers' money. It's being wasted. The CBC is now this big government monster and it's gobbling up our money. And to give you more numbers here, because I know, like you said, you like them. Looking inside this corporation, the CBC, they have about 7,500 employees they deal with 11 different labor what? unions. I 11. I didn't even really, uh, I can't name you 11 different labor unions, brah. I know. Um, but they deal with them and they list more than 600 personalities on their website. Now, we don't know if they're all getting paid, those 600 personalities, but some of them are. Um, the last I heard on the street was that per pop, so those ad issue panels, those fancy schmancy panels you see of analysts, Apparently, that's between like five and six hundred bucks a piece each time you're appearing. And again, you're you're paying for this. So again, I'm looking deeper into it, too. They've also got a 12 person board of directors. They have eight people sitting on their senior executive team. And this one takes the cake. Are you you are sitting down? I can see. You. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Hit so. me. Catherine Tate is the oh. president and CEO of the CBC. She's paid a salary of between four hundred and twenty two thousand and $497,000 per year. And she's entitled to a performance bonus of up to 28%. Uh, You're going to have to repeat that last one, Chris. (laughs) I I know. I actually had to look at it myself and make sure I triple checked this. So Catherine Tate, again, she's the head honcho. She's the figurehead of the CBC. She's the CEO. She's paid between $422,000 and $497,000 per year. And she's entitled to a performance bonus. So this is money on top of a salary of up to 28%. For folks doing the math at home, that's a bonus of $126,000. A bonus. Oh my God. My goodness. So costs are uh, sky high. (laughs) Taxpayer costs are sky high, more than a billion a year. What's going on with viewership over there, Chris? I know. Like, this is what just blows my mind. Like, a lot of us are on kind of a canned tuna budget right now when it comes to, you know, inflation and carbon taxes and all that jazz. But they're just rolling out the caviar. It just continues over at the CBC. And to make matters worse, folks aren't watching. So we're paying for this, like, Cadillac, right? But nobody's driving. Nobody's jumping in for the ride. According to the journalism website, Blacklock's Reporter, which is, again, independent and does not take taxpayers' money, uh, they found out that the total audience for the CBC local 6 p.m. newscast at 27 stations across Canada was 319,000 people. (laughs) So I, I know that's a lot of numbers. So I'm going to break it down in more simple terms. That means that the Sapporara newscast, the six o'clock news, the one that I was raised <laughs> to look up to, less than 1% of Canadians are watching that Wow! at the CBC. So again, we're paying more than a billion dollars for this thing. Nearly a nobody's a year. 
a year. Um, plus, you know, bonuses here and there and, you know, help you out with the pandemic here and there. Um, nobody's watching it. Next to nobody is watching it. Um, for the folks who do like listening and watching the CBC, I understand. I was raised on Knowlton Nash. I get it. But folks, it's time to pay for that stuff yourself. You need to pay for it yourself. The CBC can switch over to a subscription model or do online fundraising or whatever. The CBC needs to figure out how to fund itself. Yeah, it certainly shouldn't be taking a billion dollars from taxpayers every single year. So, no. uh, Chris, let's be proactive here. What should our <laughs> listeners do to help us uh, defund the CBC? Let's be the change we want to see in Canada, it just, right? It just sounds good saying it, you know? <laughs> it really does. How do we roll up our sleeves and defund the CBC? Well, uh, we actually do have power and agency here. So what you need to do, first, go to our website, taxpayer.com, sign our petition to defund the CBC and to cancel the media bailout because we know no journalists should be paid by the government period mm -hmm. should not be happening in a Western democracy. Okay. So go to the website, sign the petition. That means now you're part of our standing army. You're on our email list and you can help us all push back at the same time. And this is key to pick up the phone and send an email to your conservative members of parliament. Why the conservatives? Because the conservatives have promised to defund the CBC. And if we keep after them all these years, depending on how long it takes for them to be elected to power again, that means that they'll know we're not taking our eye off the ball and we expect them to fulfill that promise. So do those two things for us. Go to taxpayer.com, sign the petition to defund the CBC and cancel the media bailout and send that email to your conservative member of parliament and tell them that you want to see the CBC defunded. Chris, thanks for shining a light on all this crazy spending. <laughs> thanks for listening. Here with my friend and colleague, Mr. Robin Spear, holding down the fort in the frigid prairies. Now, Robin, it's it's uh, Christmas time right around the corners. New Year's Eve is right around the corner. And I've been stocking up on some holiday cheer, if you know what I mean. Some beer, a little bit of wine, maybe even some rum for my Coke. But hey, what you're saying is that maybe I should be stocking up even more because there's some big tax hikes coming right around the corner. Yeah, big time, Franco. Stock up on your uh, your your spirits and eggnog for Christmas and New Year's now, and then uh, stock up in the first quarter uh, because taxes are going up in 2023 with big hikes coming on your favorite beer, wine, uh, and bottle of whiskey, vodka, what have you. Liquor taxes are going through the roof this year. Um, and what's happening is the federal government is increasing their federal excise tax on liquor. Uh, and they've done it in a way that they're going to rig it to increase uh, every year on April 1st. No joke. They're going to do it without a vote in Parliament. So it's an undemocratic way to raise taxes. And it's just going to keep going up every year thereafter at the rate of inflation, which, of course, we know today is still floating around those those 40 year highs. So indeed, yeah, you want to stock up today for the holidays uh, and before that April Fool's Day joke of a tax site coming to uh, liquor store shelves across the country. Oh, this makes me more sick than Fireball. And that's saying a lot. Uh, but Robin, man, uh, in all seriousness, break it down what it actually means, though, uh, for, for us taxpayers as consumers. Right. So so how much is this actually going to increase the cost of uh, my favorite case of Keith's? 
For sure. Yeah. So this, this sneaky tax, like it's not really a simple calculation to determine the tax increase, Franco, but uh, basically what the feds are doing is they're looking at an average rate of inflation over the previous 12 months. Um, so we're, you know, we're just heading into 2023. It sounds like the 2023 increase kicking in April 1st is now locked in at this point. And whatever that formula is, it shows it's going to be an increase of about 6.3%. Uh, to the excise tax on on liquor in Canada. So if you just dive in a little bit further on the math, again, a little bit complex, but the current excise tax on beer, for example, uh, which was set a year ago, April 1st, 22, it's uh, $34.82 per hectoliter. Uh, I had to look up what a hectoliter is, uh, and it's a unit of measurement or volume used in beer tax uh, officialdom, but it's basically it's 100 liters of beer or about 200 pints. So, uh, you know, at 6.3% average calculation, the tax is going to go up to over $37 per hectoliter or a jump of uh, about $2.19. So, you know, if you break the unit down further into a pint or, or can of beer, it's it you know might not seem like a huge deal. But uh, when you think about how breweries in Canada are making about 21 million hectoliters per year, it's an immediate extra tax hike of uh, over $45 million next year to our breweries in Canada. And of course, these tax hikes do ultimately hit uh, hit consumers. So it's disappointing that while you know Canadian brewers are facing these wild tax increases, their counterparts in the US are actually enjoying tax cuts so uh, so much so that from 2017 to 19, the federal beer taxes in Canada have already went up $34 million, uh, while at the same time, they've gone down $31 million south of the border. It's also true in Europe, where taxes are much lower, uh, especially in those big brewing countries like Germany, for example, where it's uh, a $13 hectoliter uh, tax there, not 37 like here. So the tax hikes, they, you know, they hit consumers in Canada, um, but they make the brewing sector less competitive uh, as well. Okay. Let me just jump in uh, real quick. Uh, Wait, 6.3% tax increase. Am I hearing that right for beer? 6.3% tax increase on, on all liquor. Yeah. Right, right across Canada. So so, so for wine and whiskey as well, it's going to be 6.3% tax increase. That's exactly right. Yeah, if you prefer your grapes to to grains, uh, you want to be sipping uh, sipping that Chardonnay instead. Nice, it's, box it's the of same wine. thing. Yeah, absolutely, a glass of wine. So that tax hike is added onto the already about sixty five percent tax on a bottle of wine in Canada. The the price that you pay at the retail store is about sixty five percent tax. So you know, again, if you compare that to to many of those big wine producing regions in Europe. Uh, they don't even have an excise tax on wine. Uh, you know, if you look at whiskey, whiskey or vodka, um, it's almost an $80 tax hit per bottle on, on your, uh, your favorite bottle at the liquor store. So consumers are getting hit with this huge tax bill and the distilling industry becomes even, even less competitive, uh, as well. So we're already coming from this position of being less competitive, but when you add up all these taxes, um, you know, if we go back to beer uh, as an example, um, there's more taxes on a case of beer in most Canadian provinces. So federal excise tax, liquor taxes, markups, sales taxes, regulated price floors, all of that. When you add it all up, there's more tax on a case of beer in Canada 
then you'd actually pay in full price for the case of beer in most U.S. states. It's just wild. And you see it every time you hit a liquor store stateside. So if you want to, one, one more further example, like, for example, a great bottle of uh, Western Canadian Crown Royal, say you pay 30 bucks for that at the liquor store, it's about $23, $24 you're paying in taxes on that $30 bottle. Um, so, yeah, these taxes are just outrageous in Canada. Yeah, let me just repeat for our listeners, we got about half the price of beer, taxes, 65% of the price of wine, taxes, and about 75% of the price of whiskey, rum, any other type of spirit, taxes. <laughs> okay, now, you know, there's a there's an important principle I, I, I like to bring up, and that's uh, no taxation without representation. And I bet most of our listeners out there are like scratching their heads saying, wait a second here, I don't remember any of my members of parliament in Ottawa voting on a tax increase. So there's a bit of a weird thing that's going on, Rob, and I'd like for you to kind of break down exactly why taxes are going up on our beer, wine, and our rum. Uh, But also you mentioned there's some interesting history about alcohol taxes. So why don't you just cobble that together for us? Yeah, certainly. So that's right. Taxes are already uh, egregiously high as they are, and now they're going up big time with this uh, escalator tax on, on the excise taxes tied to the rate of inflation. So There is no vote on it. It's just happening April 1st. Um, But the genesis of this was Prime Minister Trudeau brought this in in his 2017 budget. Uh, And what he's done is he's actually used a a tired old tax hike playbook uh, from another similar time of wild spending and massive deficits in Canada, the 1980s. So in in Ottawa, it seems as though everything old is, is new again, as in the early 80s. In the final months of the Prime Minister Pierre Trudeau regime, Mm. government spending was out of control, soaring deficits, new no bounds. The feds brought in a tax change uh, to the excess tax on liquor, where it was going to be increased annually, automatically, and at the rate of inflation. Um, So they did that. They did this before 40 years ago. Um, But soon after Mulroney government was elected in 84, the escalator tax tied to inflation, they rescinded it. And any future tax increases would have to be voted on in parliament, like you'd expect, just like any other taxation bill. So, you know, unfortunately, the short-lived tax hike back then, it was devastating enough to really hurt industry uh, to the point where several Canadian distilleries were, were shuttered over those tax hikes. So, yeah, today, fast forward to 2017, where Justin Trudeau, Uh, as if seeking inspiration from his past uh, familial policy failures, brings in this change to excise tax on alcohol, where it's going to be increased again annually, automatically, and at the rate of inflation. So it's exactly as, uh, as Yogi Berra said, it's like deja vu all over again. Oh, man, I want to cry into the pint of beer that I'm definitely going to have tonight, but I'm going to enjoy it just a little bit less after hearing about all these stats. So, you know, Robin, let's be proactive here. I'm sure our listeners are are fed up with the never-ending tax hikes coming our way. What can they do? What can they do? Yeah, absolutely. Besides, you know, going out and stocking up early uh, for the new year, which isn't a great solution, um, before the big tax hike uh, kick in, go to taxpayer.com. Sign the petition there to repeal the undemocratic tax hike and to cut liquor taxes for Canadian consumers who are paying more, again, for their beer, wine, and spirits than pretty much anywhere in the world. 
uh, and to cut liquor taxes to ensure we can have a competitive industry here in Canada that continues to do really exciting things and flourish instead of getting uh, regulated and taxed uh, out of business. Well, hey, Robin, thanks so much for uh, pounding the or banging the drum on this and, and just really keeping it uh, right in the forefront and, and telling our supporters what they can do to take action. Thanks a lot, Franco. Cheers and bottoms up. I'm Chris Sims. I'm here in Alberta. My partner in crime, friend and colleague, Franco Terrazano, he's out there in Ottawa, our federal director. So, Franco, every now and then, uh, we manage to have some fun at this job. In fact, mm-hmm. it's a really fun job. We get to dress up. We need to get to handle golden pig statues. And this is one of those fun times where we put together the naughty and nice list for this year. So, Franco, let's start with the bad news first. Mm-hmm. Who's topping our naughty list this year? Why it's the ghost of Christmas waste, Chris. That's who's <laughs> on the top of the naughty list. And here's why, right? Someone, someone in the federal government billed taxpayers $6,000 for a single hotel room per night. $6,000 per night during the Queen's funeral in London. Now, who could it have been? Well, <laughs> the Governor General, Mary Simon, she says it wasn't her. And uh, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau won't say who it was. So, Simmer... It must have been that pesky old ghost of Christmas waste that has been visiting taxpayers this year. I can't help it. I'm picturing Goofy being uh, Marley from Mickey's Christmas Carol right now. Mickey's all blue and see-through. But so if it wasn't the governor general, then who could it have been indeed? Hmm. <laughs> who, who's another really important person that would have been representing Canada over there at that time. It's a massive mystery. Okay. So who else is on the naughty list? Well, speaking of governor, uh, governor general, Mary Simon, now she may have not been the person who billed taxpayers for that $6,000 per night hotel room, Maybe. but <laughs> no, no, but she sure did land herself on Santa's bad books this year. And let me tell you why. So Christmas, Christmas is a time to, uh, you know, enjoy the festivities, maybe eat a little bit too much with your family. I know I'll be doing that. But uh, Governor General uh, Mary Simon, she got a big head start on the Christmas festivities when she and her entourage billed taxpayers nearly six figures on fancy airplane food during their week long trip to the Middle East back in March. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. What is it like seven, eight months ahead of the festivities? Uh, But look, they enjoyed beef Wellington. They enjoyed beef carpaccio. They enjoyed pork stuffed tenderloin. But what value did you as a taxpayer get from that trip, which, by the way, ended up costing over one million smackers. Now, uh, to add insult to injury, Simon and her band of bureaucrats were misleading Canadians, trying to downplay the extravagance. They even told a parliamentary committee that they couldn't uh, immediately provide them with the receipts to the airplane food. Uh, They said, I guess they just didn't have it on hand. Guess who did have it on hand? Simmer. The Canadian Taxpayers Federation did. We had the receipts. We were watching the committee meeting. We were watching them mislead Canadian parliamentarians. So we just gave it to the Post. The National Post ran it the next day. And the MPs were so infuriated with these bureaucrats that they dragged them back to committee. It was uh it was a it was it was a great thing to watch. Um, but look, back to the back to the why we're here today, and that's yeah. because Simon is continuing to prove that it's always the holiday season when you're at Rideau Hall. Party never stops rolling when you're not the one paying the (laughs) bill, man. Um, I had to actually Google beef carpaccio. And Mm. apparently it's like really thinly sliced raw beef is how you prepare it. It's like beef sushi. (laughs) 
Um, so <laughs> I, this is my, might be my favorite that you put on your naughty list. Uh, your favorite bureaucrat landed on here. Uh, so what did he do to deserve this, Franco? Sure did. Uh, Bank of Canada <laughs> governor, Tiff Macklem, uh, for giving his failing central bankers bonuses during a pandemic as in, uh, and as inflation took off. You know what they say about Christmas, don't you, Simmer? Yeah. Tis the season for giving. <laughs> and Canada's central bankers sure love giving. They're giving Canadians inflation. <laughs> They're giving Canadians higher interest rates. And the Bank of Canada Governor Tiff Macklem also gave his failing central bankers $45 million in bonuses and raises during the pandemic and as inflation took off. Now, here's the thing. The Bank of Canada, it doesn't have two jobs. It doesn't have three jobs. One job. <laughs> One job, and that job is to keep inflation low and around 2%. Now, if you remove the rock from which you've been living under in the past year and a bit, you'll know that the Bank of Canada failed its job. Yeah. Well, isn't it kind of funny to reward your failing central bankers then with bonuses and raises? And you know what? There's not too much that stumps Santa Claus, but there is one question that is stumping Santa right now, and it's, uh, what do you have to do at the Bank of Canada to not get a bonus? <laughs> That's a great question because they sure didn't do their job. Again, folks, they've got one job. Who knows? Interest rates at a, at a decent amount. Keep inflation at a decent amount. Yeah, they're not doing that. So, and we're all paying for it. Now, we, we still have a few more left on the list. Who's rounding out your, your naughty list? Well, you know, lots of us like to spend a little bit of extra money during <laughs> this season. Yeah. But, but our finance minister, Christina Freeland, she liked to spend a lot of money all year round. <laughs> you know what? She's even <laughs> managing to spend $20 billion over her own big spending budget that she tabled in April. Naughty list uh, for doing that, for spending a crazy amount of money. Also on the naughty list is our federal environment minister, Stephen Guibault, for telling tall tales about the carbon tax. He likes to claim that the carbon tax and rebate scheme will make you better off. But of course, the parliamentary budget officer shows that that is incorrect. Magic math. <laughs> and then uh, rounding out the naughty list is Saskatchewan's own finance minister, uh, Donna Harpower, who uh, took a golden sleigh ride at taxpayers' expense. Now, she billed taxpayers $8,000 for a private plane to take her from Regina to North Battleford. What? Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. How? <laughs> and and for yeah, I know it's Sorry, it's like I that Will Ferrell. This one, <laughs> it's like Will Ferrell, you know, in uh, what's that movie when he gets home? He's like, "What you? I'm not even mad. Yeah, I'm just impressed. How do you manage to do that?" So, for our <laughs> listeners who are not familiar with the trek from Regina to North Battleford, if you get up early enough in the morning to leave Regina, you can make your stop at Timmy's, grab a couple Timbits, you know, grab a croissant, <laughs> grab a double double, and still get to North Battleford in time for lunch, and then get back to Regina. Uh, in time to open the stockings uh, on Christmas Eve. So no need to do that by flying higher than a reindeer. And for that, Miss Harpower is landing in the naughty list. You're funny when you're happy, angry. <laughs> and this is, this is what the naughty and nice list is, folks. It's happy anger. Uh, okay, let's shift gears. Uh, we do have some on the nice list this year. Yeah. And let's mm -hmm. leave on a good note. Who's on our nice list? Now, I will say uh, we do have many hard jobs here at the CTF, but I think the hardest job of the year uh, is 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 trying to pick out which politician should be on the nice list. But there's some good ones this year. I, yeah. I will say candy canes for some politicians doing some good stuff. And the person that we have to shout out right away is Nova Scotia's premier, uh, Tim Houston, 
Okay. Now in Ottawa, watching the House of Commons, I thought that politicians had to get pay raises every single year. I thought it was just like the law of gravity. Right. One is nine point eight meters per second per second. The other one is just said, oh, politicians have to get raises every single year. But look, but but Houston is proving that it's not like the law of gravity. In fact, politicians don't have to give themselves pay raises, uh, CCing every single member of parliament in Ottawa, by the way. OK, so. <laughs> So Houston recalled the Nova Scotian legislature to bring those MLAs back to stop a pay raise that they were going to get. So he froze MLA pay, but then he also cut his own pay by like $11,000. So, I mean, yeah, kudos, kudos to uh, to, to Houston. Uh, but then also to our listeners of the podcast, remember that me and uh, young buck Carson Binda out there in British Columbia <laughs> We're talking about an MLA, Todd Stone, who brought forward a private member's bill to freeze MLA pay in British Columbia. But then the government wouldn't even debate the bill. Well, after Stone really laid on the pressure and Mr. Binda himself, our, our B.C. director, was really holding these politicians accountable. It turns out the B.C. legislature finally decided to stop um, the pay raise. So they froze MLA pay there as well. So kudos to Mr. Stone. Did you work the law of gravity in there? Sure did. You did. You sure did. <laughs> can I can I give kudos to another to uh, we talked yes. about my uh, my fake favorite bureaucrat in Ottawa <laughs> uh, who's on the naughty list. But let me talk about like actually my I think the the, the people in Ottawa, the government employees um, who really deserve some credit, who, who are the unsung heroes, I think, of accountability and transparency. And that's the parliamentary budget officer and, 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 and the team out there, because. Look, they they were providing uh, just delivering on government accountability and transparency all year in 2022. They need recognition. I mean, they were busy analyzing budget plans, analyzing tax plans. Uh, but they're also the group that uh, produced the in-depth report proving, proving that the carbon tax will cost the average family more than what they're going to get in the rebates. I mean, obviously, duh. Right. But but mm -hmm. they proved it. So kudos to the PBO. Yeah, major kudos, uh, because it's not easy to do that. And no. especially in a weird terrarium that is the Ottawa bubble, uh, you get a lot of political pressure and pushback and sometimes snide remarks when you're out for mm -hmm. coffee. So good for them for doing that. Um, we do have some premiers on the nice list this year. You know, the message doesn't get through to a lot of politicians in Ottawa, but we do have some premiers on the nice list this year. They're cutting some taxes. Yeah, uh, some significant tax relief, in fact. Um, well, in your neck of the woods, we have yeah. Premier of Alberta, Miss Danielle Smith. I mean, she scrapped that bracket creep income tax hike. That was uh, not a very good time for Albertans there, that's for sure. And she's also suspending uh, the provincial gas tax. So yeah. so kudos to, to Miss Smith for providing that tax relief while also uh, significantly paying down the debt, right? Yeah. So, so, so nice list for the Alberta premier. You also have Ontario's premier, Doug Ford, who cut gas taxes and then um, continued that tax cut for a year. Kudos to Mr. Ford. And then in New Brunswick, you have premier Blaine, uh, Blaine Higgs, and he's providing his taxpayers with a Santa sized tax cut. If I've ever seen one um, income tax relief that could save taxpayers uh, up to about 1300 bucks a year. Now, the biggest savings in New Brunswick from that tax relief is for the, the higher earners, but 
Higgs is not forgetting about Tiny Tim's family either. So <laughs> taxpayers earning about $19,000 or less won't have to pay provincial income tax during the 2022 tax year. That is really good news, and it's nice to end off on a good note. So we do have some politicians on the naughty list who are wasting mm. our money and hiking taxes. <laughs> but we do have some politicians like here in Alberta and like Premier Higgs uh, who are cutting taxes and saving people some money. Franco, thanks for putting this all together, man.